you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Dallas Buyers Club. Mr. Woodruff, you've tested positive for HIV. Have you ever used intravenous drugs? Have you ever engaged in homosexual conduct? Homo, homo. You say homo? You made a mistake. That ain't me. Mr. Woodruff, we estimate you have 30 days left. Newsflash, y'all. Ain't nothing out there can kill Ron Woodruff in 30 days. Drugs. They just released their testing, and I know this hospital's worth the size. I need it. It doesn't work that way, Mr. Woodruff. Where are you going? They got good meds out of Mexico. It's better than what you can get here in the States. Yes. Protein, totally non-toxic. And you can't buy this in the USA? I'm broke. You could be making a fortune off of it. You look great. Honestly, I'm not amazing. Anything to declare? Nada. They're importing illegal drugs for sale. It's a very serious offense. They're not illegal. They're merely unapproved. I've been looking for you, Lone Star. Listen, Tinkerbell, unless you got more cash or new clients, I'm busy. You don't deserve our money. Cut you in. 5%. 25. Take it or leave it. Welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. You treating these people? I didn't treat himself. Well, I ain't selling drugs. I'm selling membership. Walker, Dorset, he's your patient? Yes, sir. You're also the names of players on the Dallas Cowboys. Makes a hell of a coincidence. What the hell is it? I have a court order permitting us to confiscate any and all non-FDA approved supplements. We need a new supply. Check Amsterdam, Ghana, and Israel. We could be in business with you. Why are we here? Nice restaurant, beautiful woman. That's where I feel like a human again. You ain't alone. Mr. Woodruff, what is oh, going wow. on? People are dying. You're nothing more than a common drug dealer. TJ Strayon. Freaking homo. Oh. everybody you were just listening to the trailer for dallas buyers club and the story is as follows in mid-1980s texas electrician ron woodruff is stunned to learn that he has aids though told that he has just 30 days left to live woodruff refuses to give in to despair he seeks out alternative therapies and smuggles unapproved drugs into the u.s from wherever he can find them woodruff joins forces with a fellow aids patient and begins selling the treatments to the growing number of people who can't wait for the medical establishment to save them the film is starring matthew mcconaughey jennifer gardner and Jared Leto. It is directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, and it is written by Craig Burton and Melissa Wallach. Here to join me today for this Patreon throwback podcast review, I have Amanda Spears. We're going to schedule a depressing chat after a holiday weekend, Matt. And Zach Gilbert. Hello, hello. And joining us as a guest here today from Patreon, we have Tyler Strandberg. Happy to be here. Yeah, Tyler, why don't you uh, plug your podcast right at the top of the show here so people know where to find you? Uh, you can find me at the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. All righty. This is your second time on the show, if I remember correctly, right? It is. I was previously on for the Borat episode. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Absolutely. Well, it's great having you back here today to talk about a movie that at the time received quite a bit of praise upon its release at the Toronto International Film Festival, went on to have a very successful theatrical and awards season run. But in the years since its release, it's definitely been, I would say, reevaluated, and it definitely gets quite a reaction now anytime you go out of your way to talk about it on social media revisiting it again here myself for the first time since 2013 haven't actually watched it in between since then quite at all so i'm curious to know what everyone else thought in that regard then too have you seen it multiple times just the one time is this a first time tyler we'll start off with you since you're a guest here um this was unfortunately my second time seeing this oh oh boy um I was going back through uh, some older movies just this year as the pandemic was still going on. And this was one of them that I just thought I would visit because I remember it getting praised. And I was like, I know that um, the casting was a bit of a controversy, but if it got so much praise, might as well just give it a shot, see how it goes. Um, And it left me with some thoughts that (laughs) we're obviously going to get into. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely understand that. I know, like I said earlier, it's a movie where, you know, it's like I I remember the reaction in 2013 and it seemed to be overwhelmingly positive. Like I really genuinely do not remember hearing about controversy or like a negative backlash to the film. But then again, I also wasn't really that active on social media back in 2013 either. If I did see anything or hear anything, it was either through Rotten Tomatoes reviews or reading about it actually in a physical magazine or newspaper, if you can believe that. What are those? Yeah, right. (laughs) Amanda, we'll uh, pass it over to you next. What did you think of Dallas Buyers Club? Uh, It's hard because I I still love Jared Leto. I don't know if I'm supposed to. I have very mixed feelings about this. You know, now seeing it, I thought it took a lot of time to start the Buyers Club, but it also feels like no matter what happens, there's always someone out there making a profit. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? I also think going through a pandemic, I I mean, I think that kind of also tainted my viewing this time because, you know, we've all been locked in our homes for a while dealing with another health crisis. These people are suffering and we've all in various ways been suffering in the past year so there's a whole other pandemic going on basically yeah uh zach what about yourself so i feel like i'm in this weird situation where i when i first saw the movie like i first saw it way back i was a freshman in high school when it first came out and i was like just getting into the award seasons and i was completely taken with it and really moved and then obviously like you were saying as the years have gone by there's been some reevaluation and I think reckoning with some of the more quote unquote problematic aspects of the film. But I actually revisited it just about a month or so ago. I was looking back at some old uh, supporting actor winners. So for Jared Leto, and I'm still in the spot where I really am moved by its emotional power and its true story, even though I can recognize um, some of the shortcomings now, um, like centering it, you know, with Woodruff's perspective and a, you know, queer struggle. I think that's a valid criticism. And I do definitely agree with the fact that nowadays, like the role of Rayon should totally have gone to a trans actor. But I still think there's so much that it gets right. And I think it really brought a lot of attention to the story that 
you know, I had never heard of before. And I was pretty familiar with a lot of the major developments in the HIV and AIDS crisis. But I, I really respect what it did, even if, you know, there's some room for improvement. So you've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. I'm of two minds of this, especially after this most uh, recent viewing, and I actually want to maybe take the two things you mentioned there, Zach, and comment on them up front here. The idea to center this movie from Ronald's or Ron Woodruff's uh, perspective is something that I ask myself all the time, you know, for a story that has impacted a community so, so greatly and has claimed so many lives. Does it feel odd to have it be told from this racist, homophobic, straight white male perspective? And the answer is... Yeah, I can understand the criticism behind that. It's not a criticism I think I was either A, thinking about, or B, even understood in 2013. Uh, But now it's like I fully do understand it. And I think that's just because we've seen this story so many times. And not just from the perspective of, you know, the straight white male saving the LGBTQ community as it's presented here, uh, but in other kinds of social uh, drama settings as well, whether it deal with class or race, you know, it's a trope, right, that we've seen in storytelling a lot of times over the years. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, is there a growing dissatisfaction and a yearning to want to see something different? Yes. Does that mean that the way that this story is told is not told well? Like the filmmaking is not good. The answer, in my opinion, to that is no. For what it is, and we can all agree that what it is is tired and boring and we've seen it before, but for what it is, it's done well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I, it's like I understand that part of the criticism, but at the same time, I can't deny that the movie is well put together. It's well acted. It's actually well written at times, too, with a few caveats, which I will point out later. Mm-hmm. And then I 100% agree with you, Zach. 
uh, transgender uh, actress uh, should be playing that role, not a straight uh, male actor, in this case of Jared Leto. Even though, once again, good performance. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the performance is actually awful by any means. There there was a time, like, as I was watching it, where I thought to myself, ah, not really doing much for me. It seems more caricature than anything. And something that I actually was kind of starting to lean into as far as like, this is not good. This is not good. But there are a few scenes then towards the end of Rayon's screen time in the film that really did gut me emotionally. And that was Jared Leto pulling that mm-hmm. off from a performance standpoint. So I get it. I understand uh, those criticisms there. I mean, why don't we keep going with that? Like, um, Amanda, do you have any experience with any of the criticisms that's been leveled at this movie? Do you have any yourself? Like, why don't we get the criticisms out of the way first? I thought he since he was pre-op transsexual, that's why they went with a, a male actor. I thought I read that, but I, I don't know enough about that to speak with any certainty or expertise. Uh, I know as far as the time period's concerned, to defend focusing on Matthew McConaughey's character it was based on a true story. So I understand why they started there. I also think you have to remember that to a certain extent, this was considered at the time when he was dealing with this, a disease that was affecting more of the homosexual community. But people forgot that, you know, you can get this through needles and any kind of sexual activity, basically. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. I think you can criticize and pick a film to death to the point where it's like, why are we even watching movies? No no movie's ever going to get it perfect. I mean, yeah, because what is perfect? You would have to satisfy every single viewer that sees the movie, and that's that's impossible. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, is that as much as I understand what everyone is saying about Jared Leto, I almost can't wrap my head around it because he's just at a level most actors can't get to. And you have to remember before this, he hadn't acted in years. He was off chasing other dreams. So where he found this is incredible. Jared Leto does not have the largest filmography of, you know, most actors out there. And he has been he has become known as a quote unquote method actor. And I do think that the more that we do read about how far he is willing to throw himself into these roles that he takes on, I do think that, unfortunately, it has painted an image of him as being really, like, like he's taking it too far. Yeah. To the point that it's discomforting for his fellow castmates, and it's, quite frankly, maybe not even necessary. Um, it's like, maybe... If this is what you need to do in order to pull off these performances, then maybe, quite frankly, you're not as good of an actor as some others are who don't have to go to these lengths to pull off similar types of performances. Well, that that's an argument for uh, as far as uh, training and method and how, how people get there. But I have I mean, I'm looking at his filmography and basically the last notable thing he did before Dallas Buyers Club, I would probably say is Alexander. Well, I mean, I, I would I would disagree with that because chapter 27, there was like a notable weight increase that he had for that for that role. Sure. Yeah, that too. That was a few years later. And he got a lot of attention for that because I remember uh, he was very unrecognizable 
Um, and then he does Mr. Nobody, which I think has like kind of gone on to become like a cult classic. But at the time, you're right, it wasn't a big movie. So in terms of like a high profile film, yeah, Alexander makes sense, I guess, in terms of its scale and how much visibility it had. Uh, but ever since Dallas Buyers Club, his visibility has skyrocketed even more. You know, his band 30 Seconds to Mars really took off. He started taking on bigger projects and things like Suicide Squad, Blade Runner 2049. And I, I do think that him like taking on that role of the Joker, especially just brought a certain level of scrutiny yeah. to his career, his work, personal life, everything else that has kind of transformed this perception of him. And quite frankly, like I once again, I'm not a big fan of his per- on a personal level. I personally don't like some of the stories that I've heard about him, and that is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. As far as the performance itself in this movie goes, I like I said, I think the casting is definitely problematic, and it's like I recognize that now, where in the past maybe I, I was not aware enough to say that, but I can recognize it now, and I can honestly say, though, given what we have like the cards that have been dealt to us i think he i think he delivers a very gut-wrenching performance uh especially like i said towards the end here like that scene he has with his father still oh. cried still tears yep. yeah the moment where um the character says or the dad says god help me and then she goes he is helping you i have aids that part i that's like ingrained in my mind like just the resignation and his voice when he says that. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our 2013 throwback review of Dallas Buyers Club here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full hour and a half long review, you will have to head on over to our Patreon for Next Best Picture, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.